0: Welcome to the Weatherby's Private Bank Creating the Future podcast series. I'm the Chief Executive, Roger Weatherby. On the 1st of October 2019, we held our second Creating the Future conference. The speakers invited us to consider some of the world's most challenging issues. For more information about Creating the Future, please follow the links in the show notes. I hope you enjoy this talk and thank you for listening. The immediacy of climate change has been really sharply accentuated by one particular group, particularly over the last year or so. I'm talking, of course, about Extinction Rebellion, and I'm delighted to say that its founder, its co founder, is with us today, Dr. Gail Bradbrook. So, in conversation with Dr. Gabriel Walker, please welcome Dr. Gail Bradbrook. So I'm going to start with a confession. Um, uh, I'm a scientist by training, and as, uh, I, I had the privilege of speaking to Creating the Future last year. I did give a lot of talks on climate change. I've been doing that for more than 20 years to business audiences, to investment audiences. I do lots of interviews and conversations, and I work with businesses. And uh, normally I know what's going to happen. And this time I have no idea where this conversation is going to go. So just you know, brace yourselves, be ready for this. And the second thing I want to say just before we start is I've just come back from an extraordinary trip to New York and to Canada. I was there for Climate Week and for the Climate Action Summit and for all the climate stuff that happened. Kate just said the leaders showed up and there were those kids in the streets and so I heard Greta Thunberg speak in Washington DC. I joined the Climate March in New York and then I accidentally stumbled across the Climate March the next week uh, the following Friday. And We might get to what happened next during this conversation because Gail and I actually talked about it before we came on. But what happened was, in particular, was I came away with two words ringing around my head. And those two words were clarity and urgency. Now, I've been talking about climate change all this time. We've had the solutions for 20 years. We haven't been using them. It hasn't been going fast enough. Why hasn't it been? I didn't know, and I do now. Because what we lacked was clarity and a sense of urgency and I think two of those things those are two things that Extinction Rebellion has brought onto the scene mm. so I'm, I'm thrilled to be here with you Gail. as I say mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen but I'm quite excited <laughs> so let's start with the origin story how did Extinction Rebellion start and why?
1: Uh, so I've been trying to start um, Civil Disobedience since 2010. I was quite a good girl at school actually I was um, <laughs> a girly swat um, but I've known for some time that civil disobedience is a necessary part of change. And it was in 2016, having failed for many years, that I decided to go on a retreat and pray using psychedelic medicines. And uh, I've talked about this online. Um, if you put my name in breaking convention, you'll get that story. But I made a big prayer. And I do actually have, hold the possibility... That the universe listens to us and that there is an inherent purpose to life on earth and that there is the possibility of being in dialogue with it. After making that prayer within a month I met Roger Hallam and literally the prayer was answered actually word for word the prayer that I made and Roger and I started to organize together to do meetings and bring a, a network together called Rising Up That lasted for two years in terms of testing tactics. So I may have uh, spray chalked on your bank or climbed on your building. I do it with peace and love in my heart, honestly, (laughs) and a bit of mischief. Um, I think mischief always goes a long way, Uh, usually with cakes as well. Um, And it was in April last year, we were in my house strategizing, and we said it's time to really work together as a network and to bring about a rebellion, and you didn't actually believe it was going to happen, I think there was a zeitgeist, I think there was the mixture between the IPCC report at the time, Greta Thunberg was doing her piece, um, and there was something about the organising technique that we used that, that really helped.
0: I think we, might, we can start to unpick what, what, what made it take off so much. I, I would like to say that, you know, it sounds a bit wacky when you say that stuff, and I am a pointy-headed scientist, and, but I've often said that I don't really believe in the universe speaking to me, but it still seems to do it anyway, and so maybe sometimes you just have to listen. Um, well, what I wanted to pick on was, you talked about a spirit of mischief, and one of the things that I've noticed about the Extinction Rebellion If I call them stunts, I mean that in a a complimentary way, that that, that you use art, you use humour, you use culture, you make people want to feel part of it. You have people, if you block a a bridge, you have people playing music and uh, impromptu uh, bands. Can can you tell me more about how you design that and why you design it that way?
1: Well, you get the nerds like me out of the way. I like spreadsheets and graphs. (laughs) (laughs) And you let the artists come step forwards with their potency and beauty, And I think it's also about prefiguring how the world needs to change. So I don't know if anybody joined us on the streets in April. It's often your children that did, actually. And uh, you sort of shyly say to me, come and have a selfie. And I've got credibility with my kids off the back of that. But um, (laughs) when we were on the streets, it felt incredible because it was about love, essentially, Mm -hmm. and connection and togetherness. And what the system that we live under, which I believe is based in a deep trauma, you could call it patriarch if you want to use that language, but it's based on a deep trauma of the idea that there's scarcity, which doesn't make sense when nature renews itself in that way, that we're separated from each other, including our own inherent purpose, and that we're powerless. And when you're on the streets and you've knocked up a kitchen in the middle of the road in Marble Arch and you're feeding strangers with vegan food and having fun, and play music together. There's something of reconnecting a family that meets the deepest longings that I think many of us are feeling. And frankly, you know, coming to this event today and seeing a lot of um, men, you know, white, middle-aged, older, upper-class <laughs> men in suits, like, you know, my dad was a coal miner, and there could be a place where I feel separated from you, and I, I, I so don't want that. I can't tell you to the depth of my heart that I don't want that to be the case. That you and I, I really imagine, love our children. And at the deepest part of ourselves, want life on earth to thrive. And what if it was the case that making the change was fun and beautiful and cheeky? And that's what Extinction Rebellion's really tapped into. And um, if you're not sure, I mean, if you were the ones that were trying to get to a business meeting and we were in the way, sorry. Not sorry. (laughs) You know, I am sorry, but it's also, you know, it's actually what you have to do to see change. It's really clear.
0: So tell me, there's two things from that that I'd really like to pick up on. First of all, the the the, the changes that we need i mean we, we saw from kate and the donut ep- economics all the ways that we're busting the planetary boundaries particularly this one issue which actually relates to all the others which is climate change so wh- i i said that i came back from new york with a sense of both clarity and urgency tell me about climate change as the message what what do we need to do and, and why are you pushing this so hard
1: well, I mean, climate change is the most obvious manifestation of a system that's just frankly not working for us, but it could be homeless people dying on the streets or it could be the fact that we can't give basic health care mm. in a Western democracy to everybody or whatever. Mm. Um, I also really dispute the idea that we've got 12 years left. We haven't got any time left, folks. we ran out. We've, we, we had those years. Um, the IPCC reports, as much as they're a good example of um, a backstop, they're telling us, you know, here's what consensus-driven science tells us. But actually, as Kate said, we're already at 410, 15 parts per million. There is no budget left. There's no time left. We have to go backwards. So David King's working on on climate repair. We have to stop harming and start repairing, and the science is, is, is really clear on that. And it's not just about looking at physical sciences, it's worth looking at geological sciences. The Permian mass extinction, uh, we know about the extinction with the dinosaurs, but in that yeah. extinction event, we were heating the planet up in a similar degree and 97% of all life went... Mm. That is the potential trajectory that we're on. Mm. We, you can look at social sciences and um, collapses of civilizations, and we're on those trajectories. Fascism in our children's lifetime, war. You know what happens in that? We we've already had the depressive stuff today, actually. <laughs> but what, what? Actually, what I want to say though is what, and how you and I were talking before is, and to the men especially, actually, what you have to do is feel this. Mm. You really have to feel it, in my experience. And I'm going to use this language, and if it lands or not, I apologize, but um, the patriarchy damages men profoundly, and it stops you from feeling things in a really deep way. And I'm sorry, because it's not okay. You know, many men, I'm not going to do this to you, but I haven't cried for a long time. And what I see is women, and the Dalai Lama said the change would come from women, And it comes from women, especially, and it's not, I know I'm generalizing, right? It comes from women because we'll feel this thing and the children are feeling it. And when you feel something, you don't do it for a, you don't look after your kids because some calculation told you that, you know, your genes are going to go on to the next. You love them, right? You love your children. It's a felt thing. We have to love life on earth. And when you face these times, and this is the conversation you and I had. is we Gabriel and I actually shared some tears in the in the in the back room Uh, when you feel it deeply and I hadn't done it as an environmental activist actually your heart breaks open and it's grief is the price of love and when you love deeply courage is the driving force and these times as much as clever solutions are needed and this technology and the brilliant thinking of people like Kate and others, what it really requires from us is to love from the depth of our beings and to bring our best selves forwards in purpose. You know, what is your purpose? When You, you know, we're all going to die at some point, and I really don't care, actually, if it's next week or in 10 years. I, I have a desire to live a long life. I have a desire to be here right now, living in purpose, and that comes from connecting in in the depths of you and I really um I'm actually going to meet somebody called Nathan Roberts next from the band of brothers who works with men I really um hope you men can get it together to start (laughs) feeling this stuff um in whatever way you you can and I I honestly don't mean that as a criticism Um,
0: so so, uh, there's a lot to pick up on there (laughs) um what I would say is that the thing that I didn't tell you about when I said I went on that march now I'm i uh, obviously a woman, but I am also a pointy-headed scientist. And, and you know, we, we, we're logical, we're sensible, and we get on with things and we test things. And I spent most of my time in the climate movement or dealing with climate change at all, just getting on with it. What are the solutions? If you're not trying to find a solution, get out of my way. But I did walk along that street, seeing those kids marching, and I did cry on the street, people were looking at me like a crazy person and walking past. And I've never done that over climate change before. So I want to bring that in now. This is what Gail and I were talking about, because this really matters. This is real, and this is now. And I don't say this lightly because, as I said, I'm a pointy-headed scientist. I've been talking to businesses and and investors, and we're working out solutions, but this is a crisis. This is an emergency. And what you just said about purpose also makes me want to bring in... uh, Who needs to be part of this? Because, you know, I think Extinction Rebellion is famously inclusive. Um, And and I think that there are lots of organisations that are there to blame and shame and to make this a saints and sinners argument. And I'm fundamentally against this. I work with businesses. I work with everyone from finance to renewable energy to oil and gas companies. I'll work with anyone who I think is going to help solve this. So what do you think about different people's role and about inclusivity yeah
1: I think it's worth saying a little bit more about purpose is that there's um, a a mechanism known as spiral dynamics that measures shifts in consciousness which I know sounds like a terribly hippie thing to say but it's something that's um, been looked at for many years you can see when science came online when the green progressive left came online and so on and what's happening right now is something called teal consciousness it's worth looking at and what that includes is the idea that everybody's values and belief systems has some merits, you know, and that we can, um, as Joe Cox said, we've got more in common than that which divides us, and that's really a deep part of my prayer with Extinction Rebellion. It's one of our ten principles and values that we're not about blaming and shaming, and that doesn't mean that we don't say that behavior 's not okay, but there, that it, it, it has to be the case, in my opinion, that every person has a path of redemption and actually a hero's journey um, to make in these times
0: you talked about purpose and when we talked before particularly about businesses with a purpose mm.
1: yeah so uh you may know the work of frederick Laloux, who has studied teal emer- the emergent teal there uh, from a business perspective and so like um a tribal red version of a business would be a mafia-led business or one that's really focused on um, profit would be in the orange layer and so on. So these, these things exist. Teal businesses are emerging right now. Um, so this is not somebody's decided this is happening, it's, it's actually happening. So it's, it's quite inspiring. And um, you know, Hilton and I often have a little debate now and again about capitalism. I think it's a really unhelpful thing to talk about without having a deeper conversation about what you mean by words. But um, Milton Friedman, in talking about neoliberalism, said that the free market system would mean that there was no concentration of power and therefore no harm done. So if we could all hold that purpose and genuinely work towards it, that would be a brilliant thing. Businesses that are purpose-led... Um, will make some profit sometimes, but profit won't be the reason why they exist. The purpose will be the reason why I exist. But the really, really cool thing about purpose is it is the most human way to live when you live in purpose like I'm slightly embarrassed actually at what a good time I've been having in (laughs) Extinction Rebellion I was like a kind of like hardcore activist you know I'm doing this because it needs to be done and I thought I've got over myself and I'm having a really good time because it's purpose is is what makes life worth living I think um, given that there are a lot of people in business here it's worth saying a few things of what I think business leaders could do one is distort reality and do things that people don't expect you to do. You could glue your bottom to something, for, a, for example. <laughs> You'll have some great stories to tell over dinner. <laughs> Getting arrested in this country as a privileged guy or woman is, is no big deal. And um, it, it, seriously, when somebody of note is arrested, it, it, it's worth 500 of people like me with nose rings and dreadlocks and all the rest of it. So consider getting arrested, seriously.
0: (laughs) Let me, me, speaking of considering getting arrested, uh, uh, two two more quick questions and then we'll have some questions from you guys. The first one is, um, you, you said that not everyone's going to agree with you and I think that's clearly true, but you have got people talking in a different kind of way about the um, the urgency of uh, acting on climate change. Tell me about that. What, well, so, what there's, so there's,
1: there's two kinds of statistics that we're working with, really. One is um, the work of Erica Chenoweth and her colleague, uh, Maria Stephan, who uh, tried to disprove that nonviolence was, um, a workable solution. Anyway, in their data they studied about 330 moments of revolution or significant social change and they found that it's important to be non-violent, which we absolutely are in Extinction Rebellion, you're more likely to succeed, but that you only require up to 3.4% of the population to be in active participation in the social movement to be successful. In the UK, that means about two million people, and not everybody has to get arrested. By the way, for every arrestee, we need about ten people. Either, you, do you know what I've discovered? I'm going to tell you this right now. A really good way to extract money from wealthy people is to ask them to get arrested, because <laughs> <laughs> like, then you, they get the chequebook out. But, anyway. <laughs> um, but uh, so, so active participation in the civil, in a civil, um, in a social change movement, 3.4% lots of people won't like us and they'll see us and they'll think oh crusty hippies you know and they're being disruptive and annoying and and they'll often say we like what they're talking about but we don't like how they're doing it and I often say well if you've got a better plan I'll do it but actually the history books are really clear and the social science is really clear that disruptive nonviolent, peaceful respectful civil disobedience is a key part of the change process the other piece then is that by doing the social movement you have people talking about the issue and they they, they don't have to like me and that's Mm. fine Mm. I got called London's most hated woman in April (laughs) (laughs) there must be a lot of competition for that I can take it. <laughs> I'm hard, really. But you, you need about fifty to sixty percent of the population actively talking well, what's about. What's happened? The You've got some evidence for that. I, right? Absolutely. You know, there's a there's a lot of evidence that the shift has come. And actually, for a short, blessed uh, period of time, the environment was more being discussed than Brexit, which was a blessed <laughs> relief, right, for a while. But. Um, um, yeah. So, so, so that's so that's the issue basically yeah. is to get people talking and caring about the issue. Yeah. And and then what happens next? You've got another rebellion coming up, haven't you? Yeah. Um, apologies in advance. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm sort of joking because inconvenience is one thing, but some some people do have a really hard time off the back of an extinction rebellion protest in Bristol. There was one guy that was trying to get to his dying father, and that's not cool. You know, uh, it doesn't feel good. Uh, and and we do talk to the police in advance, and they reroute emergency vehicles and so on. We do our best to mitigate for the disruption that we cause. We'll be back on the streets October the 7th. We aim to be there for two weeks. Who knows what's going to happen? We've got 12 locations across London. It was four last time, so expect disruption. It's a good reason to start cycling if you're not already. (laughs) Uh, And our aim is to say that we haven't met any of our three demands actually. We have three demands. One is for the government to tell the truth. In declaring a climate and ecological crisis to actually reverse policies inconsistent with that truth. Um, that we also want net zero carbon by 2025, which is acting like it's an emergency. And frankly, we'll know when it's happening because it'll feel like being in a war, and I don't like war analogies really, but we know what that's like in Britain. This is not one Hitler, this is 20. You have to understand the gravity of what we... And we could do it, but we really have to be in a wartime economy. And people ask me, you know, do you against this for that? All bets are off in a war. You know, in that sort of situation, frankly, rich people, you have to put your hands in your pockets and things will change for a while. It's not ideological. This is just the situation that we find ourselves in. A third demand is, how do you make the changes? Well, I, you know, it's not going to come from the democracy as it resides now because it's too captured to vested interests and so we're calling for a citizens assembly it's like a jury of 100 people demographically representative you teach people critical thinking skills and you bring in experts like kate and other people and and they will come up with a, a whole set of policies for this for this country and we're in 72 countries now by the way
0: Wow. So, so the last quick question then, it has taken off. It was, it's taken off big time in, in the UK. And I think part of that is the resonance of the collectiveness, people wanting to be part of something. But part of it is also, I've heard a lot of people saying to me, I, I now feel like I can do something. I felt powerless. And now I've got something I can do so I, I think that's probably one of the reasons it's resonating but it's also spreading isn't it just give us a quick word well just is right. a couple
1: of things there's, there's a mental health issue literally uh, you there's a lot of mental health conversations climate psychology and alliance your children are suffering from mental health issues when they're on the streets but that, because they have eco-anxiety and and they have it because that's what the situation is you know It's it's an appropriate response to the situation. When something fearful is happening, there are two psychological responses. One is the bystander effect, Mm -hmm. when you just don't want to see, so you turn away. And the other is the upstander effect, when you actually do something. The other thing that happens in Extinction Rebellion, and it's part of the shift to teal consciousness, is that we use a a distributed... Uh, organising system it's called a self-organising system it's also in in Frederick Lallou's work and Kate was referring to that kind of piece. that's what's coming through that's why the rebellion is prefiguring the new world so you might not have thought of yourself as a rebel but um, consider being a rebel because actually it's really good fun it has meaning and purpose and you'll be really welcome on the streets to join us so
0: perfect way to finished thanks very much <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so we, we've got a couple of minutes of questions. Keep them short and keep them coming. Who's got a question for, for Gail? This is your chance to find out anything you want to know and have never dared to ask. Don't about ask me now. Extinction Rebellion.
1: <laughs> I've got glue in my pocket. We can have a practice if you
0: want. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, who's got a question? You must have. You all look stunned. There, here we are.
1: Um,
0: you've got this audience here. Please tell us two things we all should do now ready men get up let's do it tell us what to do right now
1: thank you um i am serious about asking some of you to rebel it will take just a couple of business leaders to say, we want the law of ecocide. We think that business leaders should be criminalised if they're doing mass damage and destruction of the environment and so on, to shift some reality. Um, it says actions speak louder than words. So actually join in the rebellion. And if you can't, we, we do need some money at the minute. We're going to have pink tractors on the streets with us, as well as pink boats, So and they don't come for free. So uh, <laughs> it'll be put to good use. Um, the other thing is, It it is the case that 50% of emissions come from 10% of the population, and this audience will be uh, incredible emitters of of carbon. And it's not about personal change, but there is something about integrity here and realising that this is about all of us and making those changes. So don't substitute personal change for political change and recognise that political change comes from partly a process of civil disobedience.
0: And I'm going to throw in a quick comment on that, which is that um, just everybody's got leverage, so I'm not necessarily calling on people to be a rebel, although it does sound kind of tempting. But, <laughs> um, but, but everybody's got leverage when it comes to the climate space, and climate change is real and serious. And all the business leaders that I'm working with at the moment, I've looked them in the eyes. I know that they want to do this. There's smart people in the businesses. That are, there's problem solvers that are e- eager to get at it. So we need to get at this problem from every possible side, all solutions on the table, all players around the table. Uh, What is ecocide? What is ecocide was the question. I don't think you had the...
1: Um, So um, I was referring to the law that Polly Higgins wanted to bring forwards as the fifth crime against peace. (laughs) Um, Ecocide is the mass destruction and damage uh, to the environment from things like tar sands, and you can't have a peaceful enjoyment of the environment when that's happening. It also involves in, in that law it includes a, a repair of the harm and and taking care of the people most affected but it would criminalize damage to the environment so at the minute there is a, we have a problem with the law and um we have paul palsland here is here from lawyers for extinction rebellion so um and talk to him we we need some rebellious lawyers around <laughs> as well there's a there's a problem with the law we had a debate about that last night didn't we um uh, yeah. I just get to speak now you don't get to respond it's <laughs> <laughs> the girls have got the power for a chat <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay I'm getting the nod we need to stop with questions now but, um, but Gail's got to be around for the reception afterwards there's another opportunity to ask her questions thanks very much Ali, and thanks to Gail thank you Gabriel thank you well thank you both Uh, doctors both Gabriel Walker and of course Gail Bradbury is here one more time thank you very much for more information about creating the future please follow the links in the show notes I hope you enjoy this talk and thank you for listening